What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. The music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so many thanks to Misha. I strongly encourage you to check out your local food bank to see how you can help out as food banks like the Ozarks Food Harvest here in my town are helping families overcome food insecurity, which is a problem we need to solve. I also invite you to join me on social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. All of those links are in the show notes. This week, we are joined by Kata and Kaja, the founders of Aspen Apothecary, where they create a line of vegan CBD-infused perfumes. Kata and Kaja are sisters, and they were such a treat to speak with. In our conversation, they share some of their own journey, what is involved in creating and producing their fragrances, and how they are able to use their business as a platform to advocate for women. I was really blessed to speak with Kata and Kaja, so let's get over to the conversation. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Kata and Kaja Burke-Williams of Aspen Apothecary. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? Great. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, for sure. So Aspen Apothecary is a clean, conscious, vegan, CBD-infused perfume, um, which is a lot of descriptors, but all of them very positive. So uh, it's a it's a great list <laughs> to have there. Um, so I guess I, I, I'm probably going to ask you a lot of really fundamental questions, but I guess I'll just start with maybe the, the most obvious, which is how did you decide to start a, a perfume line? Because I don't feel like that's, I mean, most people start like a lawn care service or something, right? But, <laughs> um, but a perfume line is pretty, pretty cool. It's out there for sure. And it's definitely a mouthful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, our story starts last year around Thanksgiving time. I was in New York visiting my sister um, and we had a realization. And just to kind of give you context, my sister and I are very different. So uh, Kaja is a person who cooks with all organic and whole foods and uses 10 different facial serums at night and, you know, is very conscious about what goes on in, in her body. Um, and I am not that way. Yeah, I, you know, I probably have seen Kaja wash her face with hand soap more than I would like to admit. But... <laughs> So that's kind of the context. So we're very different. But when we were uh, together over Thanksgiving, we were comparing our perfumes. And, you know, they just had three big things in common that we were pretty upset about. Um, the mm. first is that they were made by, you know, big conglomerates with old white men at the helm. And nothing is wrong with old white men. But, you know, sometimes you like to see somebody who looks a little different. They're boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Second, um, you know, we have pretty bad allergies and we would spray on our perfumes and sneeze, but still say like, oh, well, it's worth it because, you know, we wanted to smell a certain way. Right. And then um, third, we just didn't know what was in them. And I think for Kaja, especially, this was super surprising. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kaja, but like because, you you know, you're so aware of everything else that goes into your body. Um, I just remember kind of the shock and dismay you had um, then. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was I just absolutely. I think, you know, you I was looking at all the ingredients for everything else. And I just realized I had no way of knowing it just said fragrance or perfume. And, and that was really all they were willing to tell us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that that's interesting. It, it, this seems unrelated, but I guess the vegan is, is to some extent the, the tie in. But I actually had here recently um, a guest that runs a, a, a vegan sourdough bread company. And that was one of the things that they shared with me is that 
like in their sourdough bread, the ingredients are flour, salt, and water. Like that's it. But you go to the grocery store and look at, at bread. Now bread's maybe a little different than, than perfume because they do list the ingredients out, <laughs> but it's an enormous list, right? That, that most people don't know any of what any of these ingredients are and everyone knows what flour, salt, and water, right? And it turns out that the bread that these people, this couple is making is far superior to bread that you would get in a store or something like that. Right. So it's, it's just so interesting to me to find constantly how, uh, I don't know, like, and I'm, I'm a proponent of science and, and all of those things, but like how, to some extent, like our science has taken us to a place, in, at least in some areas where we've got too much. And, and, and certainly like with what you guys are finding here, like less is more <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? Like we, we don't need all of these different chemicals and ingredients and everything. Exactly. I think we realize that um, to your point, science is great. We use science when we think about right. uh, how best to, you know, what what format of CBD to use in the perfumes and everything. Um, definitely major proponents for science. But when it comes to the ingredients and as a consumer, I think we deserve to be able to know what's in our products and understand what some of those ingredients are and what they're going to do to our bodies. And so that kind of was the idea that we were tossing around for quite a while before we actually decided to act on it and um, decided that we wanted to try being the fresh face and a diverse face of fragrance. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, I guess, um, to some extent, we've kind of covered why why vegan. Well, I guess maybe not. I mean, we've covered why you wanted to take it away from that amount of chemicals, but why vegan specifically? Yeah, so both my sister and I are um, pescatarian. And although we don't subscribe to the vegan lifestyle, I think that there were just so many ingredients that we realized that um, harm animals to create them. And it, it, it's so unnecessary to have them in our products. And I think that that's just uh, another way that we can, um, that we can make clean, beautiful fragrances for the consumers out there. And, and so that's something that we're really passionate about. Yeah. Well, so, and I don't, I don't, I, certainly I don't mean to try and get into like the, the gruesomeness of it or, or whatever the details are, but I, I wasn't really even aware that, that animal products were used in fragrances. So, I mean, I guess, and again, not to get into the, the specifics of, of how that, that is obtained or something even maybe, <laughs> but what kind of animal products would someone find in maybe a traditional perfume versus maybe what have you guys replaced that with? Mm -hmm. So in a traditional perfume, um, back, back in the day, you would have found um, whale uh, to create some of the, the parts of the scent. Now you might have something like civet or something like that. And, um, you know, it's excrements from the animal, essentially, or they get it from like the glands, depending on the perfume. Um, and I think, you know, it's just interesting that we realize along the perfume creation process, those things are great Uh Traditionally, those those ingredients are used to kind of create this weird, funky scent at the beginning when you first smell a fragrance that kind of draws you in because it's so weird. Mm. But we realize that there are other ingredients um, like patchouli, for example, which has a really funky scent that can also draw you in because it's so weird that you can sort of substitute. Um, and if you know what you're doing, um, then you're able to still create a complex fragrance that has, you know, the top, um, the middle and the base notes that doesn't need all of that other stuff. Right, right. Now that makes sense. I mean, it's just like, you know, in, in eating, um, again, talking about food more, but it's, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff where it's like, 
if you actually start looking, it's crazy the amount of replacements you can find that are not animal based, but offer the same texture or flavor or whatever. So it sounds like it kind of the same thing, just mm -hmm. the realm of scent as opposed to exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so then I guess the next question would be why CBD infused and, and what does that entail? Sure. So um, I've been a CBD user for a while. And as of 2018, the farm bill actually made CBD legal federally, which is great. Um, but for us, I think the real trigger and impetus was seeing our mom who I, she wouldn't want us to share her age, so I just won't. But she she gave one of our two dogs who has travel-related anxiety a CBD bone for the first time this spring. And for us, that was a real eye-opener just because we realized that more people were willing to sort of try CBD than would be traditionally. And we also noticed that somebody like my mom um, might be interested in trying CBD for herself, but definitely wouldn't want to ingest it um, with a tincture or a gummy. So thinking of a topical application where CBD only penetrates you know, a couple of the layers of the skin, but can still have some really great effects is a good kind of entry point for somebody who's interested in trying out CBD, but doesn't exactly know what it will do to them. And I think the other piece of the CBD for us is we were thinking about how to infuse self-care into something that you already might do every day or a couple times a week. Because for someone like me, you know, having another step is just kind of a burden. So we thought, what a great way to combine self-care and kind of the power of scent um, by just infusing it into perfume. Right, right. Yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, you know, obviously marijuana has become legal in, I think I read the other day with his last election, maybe two thirds of the states now or something like that. However, really, the, the debate around that centers more around like THC and the, mm -hmm. the psychoactive, I think they call it. Yeah. I, I might be making up words. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but those elements of, of it. But CBD doesn't have those same impacts on people. Is that is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So CBD has um, our CBD has less than 0.3% THC. So we can't technically say that it, you know, you could pass a drug test just in case it's like eating a poppy seed bagel, you know, there could be that possibility. Um, but it's not psychoactive at all. And so you could go about your normal day doing your normal job or, you know, sitting in your pajamas and you won't feel any um, psychoactive effects. Right, right. Yeah, I just think that's an important point of distinction because I think while it is popular, or not popular, but legal in some form or another in, in two thirds of the states, I think there's still a lot of stigma surrounding it. Um, and I think especially, I mean, I, I would probably advocate that, I don't know that THC even requires the amount of stigma that it has, but certainly something like CBD, which doesn't even have any of the effects that people are are maybe concerned or, or you know anxious about. Um, so yeah so when it comes to designing a fragrance i mean and now i'm not an artistic person at all um i don't i can't draw i can't paint i can't sing um i can talk i guess um, <laughs> but anyway so i mean i can imagine what it at least conceive maybe how a person goes through like a, a visual art design process to some extent or I have friends that are writers and, and I understand what the writing process looks like, but what does the fragrance design process look like? How do you start and, and what does that look like? 
it's long. I'll, I'll definitely start out with that. And my sister can sing, um, but we definitely <laughs> weren't in confidence with fragrance design. Um, but I think, Kaja, you can kind of back me up on this. We It was a long process. We partner with a perfumer who's been in the industry for years and years, so definitely they know what they're doing. Um, but we started with an idea and a concept and a story and kind of a mood. So we had all of this feeling that we wanted the perfume or the fragrance to create. And then we go into what could that actually be like for us? So for example, um, our moon dust fragrance, um, we have a story that accompanies it that's talking about being in a desert and having this sort of heady feeling, but also feeling really connected to the earth. Um, and so a lot of the ingredients there are, you know, Palo Santo and patchouli and vetiver, but with a little bite um, of bergamot, which is kind of like a lime kind of. So that gives you that heady feeling. So the process is long, but we start with um, a feeling, a story, and then ingredients, mm. and then multiple iterations until we feel like we get it right. Um, I think the coolest part was getting to smell all those iterations and seeing the patchouli peek through or the cedar wood or the pepper kind of come through um, depending on the time we smelled it. Oh, that's yeah, nice. absolutely. And I think, you know, so much, at least for me, when I wear fragrance, it's so much about how it makes me feel and, and, and that special moment, you know, like, if I mix two fragrances, like what is this gonna smell like now? And and I don't really, as my sister mentioned, like I sing, so I am artistic, but I don't know anything about making fragrances. So I think we really were like, what do we understand? And, and we understand how our fragrances make us feel and how we want our fragrances to make us feel and our customers feel. And and that's really where we, we started. And I think that that has been what's been so unique about this process, at least for us um, and for people who have have gotten the chance to smell it so far is that they've really um, understood that as well and understood that story aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to hear you explain it just because, I mean, that, you know, when I listen to music, for example, you know, lyrics matter or, or can, right, or, or, or whatever, but really for me personally when i listen to a song like regardless of what the meaning of the song is lyrically there's a feeling that it invokes first and so it's not i mean it, it, it is completely reasonable that, <laughs> that that translates from kind of one sense and and then also one kind of art i mean you know i don't know if if it's commonly thought of as designing fragrances as art but it sounds almost identical to the process of how most art is created right starts with a feeling and then you're kind of going through this discovery to try and figure out how to suss that out through what the end product will be. Mm -hmm, I agree.
are there trends in the fragrance world? Like, like, I don't know. I mean, in the, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely, I, I'm going to, I just won't, I don't know enough <laughs> about trends to actually cite a good example, but we all know what the word trends mean. Um, yeah. But like, I don't know, in fashion, there's like, like bell bottom jeans are in and then they're out mm-hmm. and then they're in. They're <laughs> I, again, I told you it's such a terrible trend, but is there stuff like, is there bell bottom fragrances that go in and out or are there things like that? Yeah, I think so. So a couple of trends that we've definitely um, researched and identified are one, um, people definitely want unique fragrances. So I think, you know, in the last, let's call it five years, we've seen the rise of niche fragrances and cult fragrances. And they're actually one of the two things that's driving the growth in the fragrance industry right now. Um, And so definitely people want kind of a unique scent that they're the first to find. Um, And then second, I think people are also demanding more transparency. Um, So those are two trends that I've seen kind of progress over the years, even while every year there might be like a, you know, fragrance, like a new fall color. It could be vetiver, it could be jasmine, it could be neroli oil, which is like an orange kind of um, based oil. So those things come in and out. But definitely we've seen that people want something unique and a little different and that they want to know what they're getting. That's fair. So I'm actually going to go back a little bit to the creation process. So, and again, this might be a poor analogy, but I know, I know some people that write music and they can't, they can't write sheet music. Right. So they, they just kind of play and like kind of to what you were speaking to earlier, kind of find that feeling that they were looking for and then follow that. And then other people I know that do write music, again, like sheet music. And and so they actually sit down and write it out and, and kind of plan it that way. Do you find that you guys are, and so I guess the way I would compare that or thing to compare it is like, is it more, is the, you talked about a lot of iteration. Is that more based on like percentages of this versus that? Or is it more like you smell it and you go, eh, it's not quite what we wanted. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think um, it's a little bit of both. So first, we have this thought of how it should be composed, Um, then we go to make it. And maybe, you know, the first time the bergamot, the lime was a little too sharp. Um, And that's what we smell coming through. So then um, we look at the documentation and see what that percentage was and go back and adjust it. So it's definitely first based on feeling, but every time there's an iteration, we have to take um, careful note of what those different percentages of the ingredients are so that we can replicate it um, over and over again. This is an entirely self-serving question, but do, do you have any do you have any lines for men? And I ask that because recently I was asked, it doesn't seem like you wear cologne very often anymore. And I said, yeah, that's because when I think of cologne, I think of like what I can find at CVS or something. And, and like, I'm too old to smell like Axe body spray. You know what I mean? And I was probably, there's probably never an appropriate time to smell like Axe body spray, but I did at one point, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> so initially, I, our our whole thing is that you know we're two women of color, and so we really wanted to create this brand for for other women like us, and and we really do think of of women as all encompassing, and and whenever we you know, use the word women on our website, we spell it with the XN so that anyone who identifies, um, but as I've had friends smell it, you know, of all different genders, they're like, oh, I would wear this. Oh, I would wear this. So I think that it's become more unisex than we had ever imagined. And I think that that's really exciting because 
we never want to be exclusive. Um, and, and so like, as, as we're not, although we're not creating a, a men's scent right now, I think that our scent is pretty um, gender um, inclusive. So. Cool. And yeah, and to be clear, I wasn't trying to go down a line of like, why isn't there a man's one? Like, no. I didn't, I didn't... <laughs> Um. <laughs> no, I totally get that, though. I mean, I remember the middle school days of um, Axe and Tag Wars, and like, I'm just very glad that we've moved past that. So. <laughs> Oh man, well, yeah, that just shows my sophistication when it comes to this topic that I would even reference Axe Body Spray, but we are where we are. Um, well, so, you know, you bring up something, uh, Kaja, that, that I had 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 wanted to, to ask you guys about as well. I mean, obviously, you know, so far we've been talking about, you know, some of the environmental concerns and, and health concerns that this product addresses, but in looking at your website and, and you guys have a blog and, and an Instagram page that's very well done, by the way, but... Um, it, it, it also comes across clearly that, that women's empowerment is something that's that's very important to you guys as well. So can you maybe elaborate on how that weaves itself into the business and, and what that means for you? Definitely. Um, so it's part of our core, part of our DNA. Um, but something that we're doing specifically to address it is called Aspen Amplifies. And so that kind of came from the thought that you know, as we thought about building a brand and getting more visibility and more of a platform, we realized that we'd have the opportunity to amplify others' voices. And what we realized is that um, I think, you know, especially in these last few months, we've seen that there are black and brown um, and other minority people doing amazing things. And they have been doing those awesome things, but maybe they just didn't have the megaphone for other people to know about it. And so through our Aspen Amplifies initiative, we're interviewing trailblazers and women of color who are doing amazing things that we admire, um, that we want the world to know more about. That's awesome. Um, so I guess, and this this might sound like a, a strange question, so you're welcome to go as far with it or, or not at all if, as you like, but um, do you find that you've that you've met additional challenges being women of color trying to, to start a business like this? Or do you do you find that that there's a lot of support for that? You know, and, and I, I, I guess, the, you know, I asked that hoping that <laughs> the second thing I said is what's <laughs> true. But um, I don't know, in some ways, you know, it, it, it can feel like we're we're in 2020. Like, isn't this is haven't we come so far? And then you see the events, you know, over this summer that, that transpired and it's clear that that we haven't. Um, so what have your experiences been been in relation to that? I think we've been really fortunate. So we know that we were, are trying to break into an industry that is very exclusive. Traditionally, fragrance is very kind of closed door, who you know, um, you know, whisper type of place. And I think from that perspective, it definitely was hard getting our foot in the door and getting people to take us seriously since we also didn't come from, you know, luxury or high fashion or anything like that. But once we kind of proved ourselves and showed that we had done extensive research, people started to be a lot more talkative, a lot more supportive. And I think we have been really lucky to find um, alumni of our colleges and kind of different people who have been willing to speak to us and help us along the way so far. Um, this summer, Casual, you can speak to the program we got to participate in, but that was a really great experience for us as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. We um, were one of the finalists out of, we were selected out of over 300 applicants to participate in Tower 28's uh, Clean Beauty Summer School. And that really, I think, set us on the right path because we were open to a world of mentors that I don't know if we would have been had access to other otherwise. And um, the real, and, and the woman who created it, her, her goal was to give women of color and people of color access to mentors because she knows that in the fragrance, in the beauty industry, you know, they might, we might come across additional hurdles. So um, we, we were really very fortunate. And I think that that really set us along an amazing path and gave us additional confidence to realize that we were doing the right thing. And we did have um, a beautiful brand. And I think that that really just, yeah, gave us the extra boost of confidence to continue on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a point you bring up there about connecting with mentors, it's something that I think, I don't know, it's, it's funny because I mean, if you, if you talk to folks like yourselves, uh, which I've fortunately had the opportunity to do on, on the show a bit or, or, or read, you know, the works of, of people um, doing the kind of work that you guys are doing, it's a common sentiment to, to seek out mentors. But if you're not consuming that kind of content or you're not talking to those kinds of people, that's not a conversation that everyone's having, right? And so there's always this like thought that, that I, the, the easiest cliche for it is like the bootstraps mentality, right? Where it's like, oh, you just gotta get out there and do it yourself. And I don't mean to diminish people's effort or their their own contribution. I mean, obviously this doesn't exist without you two taking the initiative to, but at the same time, I just think it's important to over and over again, iterate how valuable it is to have a community whether that be peers, mentors, but people around you that are working either towards the same goal or common goals or that have been there before or whatever that case may be. Um, I, you know, certainly I don't mean to for you to, to single anyone out. And so if you're not comfortable, that's fine. But is there any is there any mentor in particular that stands out or or any maybe experience with a mentor that stands out if, if you don't want to, I mean, not, you have to name drop someone, but <laughs> we're, we're happy to name drop. Um, I mean, there have been, I think I've spoken to close to 40 people um, at this point. So too many names to mention, but some people who have spent countless hours with us are Kat Chen. Um, she's the founder of a perfume brand called Skylar. Um, and she was actually our mentor through the, the program Kaja mentioned this summer, but just spent the time brainstorming with us and asking us the tough questions that we needed someone to ask. And then um, also uh, Dorian of Undefined Beauty is a black founder and went to Harvard Business School where I am now, was actually in the same cohort as me, I found out, um, but just a couple of years before me. But she had has no skin in the game um, and has just poured forth lots of hours, lots of ideas, thoughts, references um, that have been really helpful. And um, lots of other people have taken, I would say, too much time out of their day to kind of um, provide us advice on different things. But one thing we've tried to do is be really targeted about our asks and our questions so that we know we're using that precious time very wisely.
what's the most surprising thing that you've encountered in this journey, whether it be when you were first starting or, or where you're at now, but what was something that just jumped out and totally surprised you? And honestly, I'd, I'd like to hear from, from both of you independently on, on what that might be. Hmm. The journey overall for me, um, one piece was working with my sister and what that would be like. Um, <laughs> but the second piece, I think, was what it's like to build a brand from the ground up. Um, my experience before business school and before doing this was working for two Fortune 100 companies. So when I had to kind of resuscitate a brand or a brand's image, it had an image to start with, mm -hmm. right? Um, but here we were starting from the ground up. So it's like you have the opportunity to define everything, but you also have the pressure to define everything. Um, so I think that was something surprising for, for me for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I also think for me, just how how quickly this has transpired. I mean, as my sister mentioned, less than a year ago, we really um, this idea came to fruition and we really started working on it when we quarantined together with our mom um, during the pandemic. And I think that just to see how much we can accomplish when we work together has been inspiring, but also surprising. I mean, you think like, oh yeah, you can do it. And then like, if you put in the hard work, I mean, I'm in awe of my sister every day. She had like an internship and she was building this company with me and she's at Harvard Business School. And it's just, it's so inspiring to get to work with my best friend and my sister, challenging, but inspiring. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, I'm just, I feel so fortunate. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, they always say don't start business with your your friends or, or loved ones, but I, I, starting a business is so there's so much trust that has to be involved if you're going to do that with someone else. I don't know how you couldn't start with you know what I mean. I mean, I guess if, maybe if there's enough money in contracts on the line, then it's fine. But I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's been a good a good learning for us for sure. Like my sister said, because we were when we were young, we loved each other but didn't like each other. Then we got older and we started to like each other and became friends. Um, and now, like my sister said, I would say we're best friends. But working together and being in the same house was definitely trying at times because, you know, the lines were so blurred along, you know, when is it the work relationship versus the sister relationship? Um, but I think that's made our relationship stronger in the end because we figured out how to do that. Obviously, we're still working through it and we have our creative differences, but I think it's so great because we know that the differences come from a place of love and um, trust and wanting to, to make the brand better. So I think when that's the foundation, um, then you can do a lot. Yeah, I, I I think I think it's something that that gets lost in that narrative about don't start you know a business with your friends or family because it, it looks to the idea that it's going to drive a wedge between you and and certainly it it could I mean but a lot of things could right yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I so I had a friend a really close friend of mine and I we started a business several years ago now together. And it failed. I mean, we did it for about a year and we weren't making enough to, to keep going. So we stopped. But I, the reason I bring it up is because honestly, I mean, we learned a ton of lessons through that, right? That, that we wouldn't have learned otherwise. But the thing that I'm probably the most proud of, and this is totally me just bragging while I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but, but anyway, and it's not really supposed to be a brag, but the thing I'm most proud of is that we didn't destroy our friendship over, over a failure together. 
right? Like mm -hmm. we didn't succeed and go celebrate. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> and we still remain close. And the, and the way that happened was without speaking about it, um, we, it's not like we agreed on terms at some point, but we've talked about the business and why it failed countless times. And independently, both of us have never been petty, right? Like we've never been like, well, it probably would have worked if you would have done <laughs> this mm -hmm. or, you know, and, and anyway, the, the point isn't to, to be self-congratulatory. The point is just to say that, like, I think there are lessons like that that can be learned out of an experience like what you guys are going through that don't really have anything to do with business or, or money or branding and just have a lot to do with interpersonal relationships that, I don't know, is, is obviously not the emphasis or the focus, but still kind of comes out of that. Does that make sense at all? <laughs> I think that's so right. And our mom <laughs> is like very thrilled. And now that we're, you know, working together and figuring out how to do everything together, um, that is an unexpected, but I think great consequence of this to your point um, mm -hmm. and kudos to you being able to still be friends with your um, friend after it didn't work out because it is tough to admit defeat and to know when to kind of pack up but to be able to do that with humility and accepting responsibility I think is really magnanimous yeah yeah and again I thank you and I didn't I didn't even mean for it to be about that as much as that was just the way to get to that point that that interpersonal relationships um, can really grow from from what you guys are doing. So I think that's that's awesome. Um, so is there a moment? And I, I you know it, it, it's funny because you guys are you keep referencing the fact that it's only been you know just just about a year. But I mean, man, looking at your website, looking at your content that you've got, you have a wide variety of fragrances. It's not like you only have one or two, right? Like you've got a, a, several out there. Um, it looks like you've been doing it for a while. Um, it doesn't look like it's year one. So so kudos to that. But I guess I would say, is, is there a moment that stood out this far? And maybe it's too soon, but is there a moment that stood out to, to either of you that's like kind of the, the reinforcement or the like the you're on the right track kind of kind of feeling? Does, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think there are two moments that really stand out for us. So one is when we were giving our pitch at the you know, finalists um, piece of the Clean Beauty Summer School. And we were talking about kind of our short-term and our long-term vision. And um, the judges, there were, I think there were four or five judges on the panel, but the feedback we got was that one, we're onto something and two, don't sell ourselves short with our vision. So I think that was really cool because, you know, we were thinking we really want to do this CBD infused perfume. And if we get lucky, maybe we'll think about other, you know, fragrance. And the judge's perspective was, no, you know, your CBD perfume is great, but that's just the start. And you should be talking about how you are going to take over the home through fragrance if that is your vision. So I think that was one big moment that stood out because those judges were being very frank with us. Um, and then the second moment that really stood out was when we started getting requests in our Instagram DMs um, from people who had organically found our page and were asking about when our products would be available because then, you know, our products sort of passed the mom test because obviously when you first start a brand or do something new, you ask your mom and your family and they all say like, great, yes, I would totally buy that, good idea. Um, but the real test comes when, you know, somebody else has to buy it and, and want to spend money on it. So for us to get requests asking when our fragrances will be available, I think was really positive reinforcement. Yeah. Casual, was anything for, for yourself? Yeah, stood I think out? for me was, was the first time I got to smell our fragrance. 
that was mm. just so crazy. I, I mean, we went to our formulator and and um, our mom came along with us and, and our, our formulator is in, in the Bronx and I, I'm based in New York City. And and we went there and, and it's a family-based fragrance house. And so he, he was so kind to our mom and he's like, that's my mom too. And, and, and we got to smell it and it was just so crazy to be like this is our fragrance like all of this hard work mm. has come to this and it was just the first iteration but it, it was so unreal to um to have yeah have that moment so that was that was really special for me and to get to share it with my family yeah no that's yeah that's so cool that's so cool that your mom gets to be as, as plugged into the whole thing as, as she does um i think that just makes it all the more special um so uh, Kind of a strange question, but uh, you know, what are what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about fragrances or or the fragrance industry or you know anything to do with with what you guys are doing? Mm. Um, I think that a big misconception that people have is that wearing a fragrance will give them a headache. Um, for some people, that's certainly true, and maybe there is. You're very sensitive to any sort of fragrance and so that will happen but a lot of what causes headaches or what's been linked to headaches is some of the ingredients that are not in our perfumes um and so when you think about like those old-fashioned kind of traditional very strong fills the room scent a fragrance that might give you a headache but that's also because there are specific ingredients and fillers um that have been linked to that so i think there's a misconception that that's all that there is out there um, but there's a lot more. So I just wish people could um, kind of get to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the flip side um, to that is that they might think that a clean fragrance might not work as well or last as long as, as you know, one of like Dior or, you know, a fragrance that's been around for so long. And, and that's why we worked with a fragrance, uh, a person who's been doing fragrances for so long and who understands how to build a clean vegan fragrance that is a fragrance first and that's beautiful long-lasting fragrance and that has the added benefits of cbd um and i think that that's a, a common misconception that people think like oh it's vegan and clean like it probably just like i'll have to reapply it every 10 minutes no you don't have to it's it will last and it has beautiful scents and i think that that's something that um i would like people to know yeah yeah, no, that's, those are, those are both great examples. It doesn't make you sick <laughs> and it works <laughs> Walk off in five minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something that I, I talk about with a lot of people on this show and, and something that I'm always curious to, to, to learn about the kind of the inner workings of, of individuals like yourselves that are, are, <laughs> and I don't mean to, to comment on your age, but you're, you're young and you're very successful and you're very driven and it's, it's inspiring. Um, but what kind of like, do you just wake up in the morning and this is how it goes? Or like, do you, is there like self-care routines that you engage in? Like, are you meditating? Do you journal? Like, and those are just examples that I'm familiar with, but it could be anything. Um, but how do you, how do you, how do you get yourself ready to take all this on? Kaji, do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, it ebbs and flows. So as my sister kind of mentioned in the beginning, I I have just, I've decided to take on a very long self-care routine with my face creams and my oils. And I think that that's sort of 
gives me time in the morning to think through, you know, I wake up a little bit earlier and I listen to my music and I put on my face creams and I do all this stuff. And I think that it also just gives me some time before I have to start my day um, to, to just reset before I need to sort of tackle what's in front of me. And uh, I think that that really, you know, I was in performing and so I, I really have taking care of myself and taking care of my body was really important. And I think that I wanted to find a way to make that enjoyable. And yeah, so that's sort of what my self-care routine has looked like. Cool. Plus, I think a lot of planning. My sister is a very type A <laughs> personality. So while she may seem very chill, um, you know, everything is scheduled out in her agenda as much as it can be, which I think probably does do a good job of preventing stress during the day. Um, I'm definitely a procrastinator. So I have my schedule, but I know what needs to be done and, you know, what's the last moment when I could do it and it would still work. Um, but for me, I think kind of getting ready to take on the day. I try to start the day with a glass of water, which seems really simple, but um, I don't love water and I know it's so good for me. So that's something simple that I try to do every morning. Um, and then I'm not great at meditating. I have a lot of apps on my phone, um, Calm. I have, I think it's like Mellow Me, you know, 10, 10% or something like that. I also have some breathing ones. And I found that the breathing apps I have, I think they're Amelia and Breathwork um, are helpful for me because they're shorter often than uh, a meditation. And I found that um, in order to be able to tackle what I need to do, I need to feel like I can breathe deeply so that the oxygen can get to my brain. Um, and whenever I'm stressed, that doesn't happen. So just taking the 30 seconds to breathe deeply is something that's been really helpful for me. And I think always um, knowing that my family is there and that they're counting on me and that I want to be the best I can be for them is something that's always in the back of my mind and kind of gives me the, the oomph to, to get started even on a morning when it's a little bit tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. No, and I think those, I mean, those are all routines, you know, like with, with you, Kesha, talking about you know, the, the, the extended face cream routine. Um, I think that, that, you know, some people, it's, I've read different books about these things, and, and you'll see sometimes people will say, oh, you should pray, right? Well, if you're not religious, that doesn't work. Or some people will say you'll med you should meditate. But that, to your point, Kata has some uh, implications about taking a long time and, and, and whatever. And, and probably the, I think the most apt way I've heard that described that period of time is just a period of silence, right? A period where you're not engaging with other people where you're not, you know, maybe you're listening to music or, or maybe even a podcast or something. I don't know, but you're not, you know, you're not just consuming the news, you know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Um, and so I think that makes a lot of sense. And the water thing that you mentioned, Kata, that's something that's in all sorts of books. Now, I've actually read some people that say you should put like some certain salt in the water or something. And I've, I've never messed with all that. But um, but the glass of water in the morning is is legit. So <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <I'm glad>. on... <laughs> yeah, I knew you were looking for validation. So that's why I offered it. <laughs> um, well, ladies, I, I like I said, I, I'm so excited to, to have you on and, and, and talk to you. Um, is there anything else that we haven't gotten to that, that you had wanted to speak to this evening? Hmm, that's a good question. We love talking. So I, th <laughs> I think, um, 
we discussed our long-term vision, I think, um, but that's something we're really excited about is we want to start with perfume and really do it well. Um, but we see uh, Aspen Apothecary becoming a fragrance brand. And so that would mean having your candle, having your um, bath salts that are scented, having a room sprayer diffuser. And so I think we are starting small and humble, but have this big vision. And I think other than that, uh, just very thankful. We're just really thankful uh, for the opportunity to speak with you um, and for, you know, all the people who have helped us so far. Uh, I think that's the only thing I'd want other people to really know. Cool. Cool. Kaja, anything from you? No, I, yeah, as, as my sister said, I, I, I think that, you know, it's been a really tough couple of months. And so I'm so thankful to have been able to find this passion um, and to share it with my sister. And um, I think that this has really gotten, it's gotten me through a, a rough time. And, and so I just, yeah, I, I hope that, you know, for me, like putting on the perfume it, as it's an additional self-care thing that like, it gives me some time to just relax. And, and I hope um, that other people experience that as well when they use our perfume. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, well, again, I am, am truly humbled to have you guys come be on the show. Uh, the, the the pleasure is mine. Um, you, you you obviously do have a, a website, Aspen. Excuse me, Aspen Apothecary com. I'll have a link in the show notes so people can just click directly on that to, to check it out. Is there any other place though, or anywhere else that people should look to connect with you? Yeah. So right now, um, we will only be selling through our website, and we're going to open up sales um around the end of november so keep an eye out for that but we're also on instagram and it's at aspen.apothecary we're pretty responsive we like talking to people um so just shoot us a message there um or like we said on our website there's also kind of a comment section so if you have a specific thought or comment or idea uh, let us know we'd love to chat more and then we'll we have a newsletter where we also communicate weekly and send out an update on whatever blog we've published for the week awesome well ladies thank you again so much for joining me it's been a real pleasure this evening thank Thanks you for having us
families fled to the open plains hard in hands of dirt and stone and under the sun a turning gray a fire and I weaved in the bone a brick by brick they built their home Walk those halls. Now the roof crumbles under the sky. The staircase came crashing down. Step by step they fell to the ground. No way to reach the top floor again. It's a paper ladder drifting into. Right, guys well that is all for the show today thank you so much again to Kata and Kaja for stopping by I really enjoyed talking with you guys uh, of course we'll have links in the show notes to their website so you can go check that stuff out also I want to thank Misha Zarens again for the music for today's show and of course last but not least thank you listener for listening I also invite you to check out my other podcast which I co-host with Brett Lindley pick up your sticks which is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters pick up your sticks can be found on all podcast platforms Again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.